Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubs. Again, we want to tell you about our friends at Blue Water Climate Control and what they've got going on for you and an opportunity to see Tennessee play in Neyland Stadium this year with a couple with a pair of season tickets. All you've got to do is schedule a spring heating and air tune-up with Blue Water Climate Control between now and the spring game, and your name will be entered into a drawing to win those passes. The drawing is going to be held on April the 26th. If you refer a friend, you increase your chances to win. For more information, call 865-299-2290 or go to bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to schedule uh, that appointment today. And remember, Blue Water Climate Control is offering um, that special discount uh, to VolQuest uh, listeners because of all that they've done to refer so many referrals to Blue Water Climate Control. So for more information on that, check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. Bottom line, as we've seen in East Tennessee, you got your heat on one minute, you got your air on the next minute. Got my heat on tonight. I'll have the air conditioning on in 48 hours. And um, you better have your heating you'll and have, air system right. You'll have the heat on to August. Uh, I, might, I might be in a hooded sweatshirt to August, but with the air conditioning <laughs> on. It's, you know, got heat on, air on, the whole nine yards. That's the way I roll. We'll blame it on the blood thinners. But to make sure your unit is up to par and where it needs to be, uh, be sure and use our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. All right, let's jump right into the questions that we have tonight. We'll start with the recruiting one out of the gate. Austin, any 22 in-state prospects that could earn Tennessee offers with good summer camp workouts, especially at defensive backs? Is there some guys out there you think Tennessee may turn the heat up on in 22 after a little more evaluation of them? I think they're turning the heat up on Jalen Lewis. I mean, that, that one had kind of stalled out there. Um, but in, in the last week or so, Tennessee's really started to up their efforts there. So, be interested to see how that goes. Um, and who is for those you know, for those who don't follow it, closely? Who is Jalen Lewis? Where's he from? What does he do? He plays at Haywood. He's a uh, receiver, defensive back. You know, whichever way you want to play him. Okay. Um, long. Um, you know, probably could you know stand to get maybe a, just a touch faster. But I mean, worst case scenario, he's a safety to me. Okay. Um, but if if he can prove he can play corner, I mean, the length is is really, really impressive. And again, like if you, if you wanted to look at him on offense, I think you could do that as well. I mean, he's got some versatility to him. Um, you know, it depends on where they want to play a guy like Anthony Brown. Um, don't see Tennessee, Tennessee going with, uh, hard after miles Pollard. I mean, they talk to him, but like that one, he seems like he's destined for Michigan or Oklahoma. Um, I don't even think Tennessee will officially visit miles Pollard. Um, you know, I, Guys, that, you know, not just defensive backs, but I mean, like you look at the guy, like you know, the two kids at Beach, um, you know, specifically Jackson Long. Um, if he camps well, maybe could earn one. But again, I think all that's predicated on him camping, you know. And we'll see, you know, if he actually gets over here and goes to camp. Um, but you know, there, there, there's some different guys. There's a uh, offensive lineman at Ravenwood um, that that you know I think. Would, would bear watching potentially if he comes to camp, um, you know, they could earn an offer from Tennessee, but you know, that's kind of where things are in state right now. And we'll see how many of those guys come to camp in the class of 22, as well as the class of 23 and 24 with opportunities to earn offers. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, two more, two more, I want to mention two more names. And I, 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 right now they're not really in the mix, but I think if they came to camp and showed well, um, there are people that Tennessee could take a, another a stronger look at. One's Tommy Winton. Um, didn't really play much his junior year. I thought that hurt him 
really stunted his recruitment along with the pandemic and not being able to go to camp the last, you know, 395 days or whatever it is. And so I'm interested how he camps, what kind of senior year he has. The other one is Knox West defensive back Shannon Blair. Got a lot of offers from Michigan State and Virginia and Wake Forest and things like that. He's a defensive back. If he came and camped well, I think Tennessee would be uh, would be interested to see how they handle that. Again, I think those kids would have to camp well, but they're at least names to know in case they do make it to camp. Both of those guys are going to be at the Rivals camp in Atlanta coming up this weekend, so an opportunity to show themselves against some competition from, from other states and some other competition. Uh, Rob, you know a little bit about the Blair kid. He's got some wheels, right? Yeah, good, a really good player. I mean, um, really shifty. I mean, not, in addition to being a you know, really good defensive back, I mean, I, he's an excellent receiver, really, really good return guy. Um, punt returns, I mean, shifty with the ball in his hands. Um, I don't have, and, and a really good kid, too. So, I would, I think it probably for him in Tennessee, I would think he'd, he would have to run really well because, I mean, he's got quote unquote fluid hips. I mean, he's really, I mean, he moves well. He's very coordinated. He's athletic. He's not the biggest guy. So I think he would really have to have to burn, burn a 40 time at camp. And we'll see again what he does this weekend, and then we'll see where he elects to camp coming up this June, starting in June, when it, everything opens back up. All right, onward to the next question we go. Uh, in your opinion, where is this team at this point compared to where you thought it would be? Uh, Austin, I'll start with you. You've seen them more than anybody else. Where is this team right now compared to where you thought it would be coming out of spring practice? About right where I thought they would be. Um, you know, no decision on quarterback. Uh, I like where they are at running back. Um, I like where they are at receiver, and I like where they are on the offensive line. I, offensively, I think it all boils down to, to, to quarterback. Now, I say that about the offensive line. I think they're a little further along than I thought they would be just based off the fact that, you know, you did lose um, some key players off of last year's offensive line, and, and you were, weren't sure what you had at tackle. Um, but I think they've, they've been able to show they've got enough um, to feel serviceable. And so that's why I think they're ahead of where they, I thought they would be. So I, offensively, outside the quarterback spot, I think they're, you know, they look really solid. And we'll see where the quarterback spot develops defensively. Um, you know, uh, to me, they're just woefully thin in, in the secondary, um, cannot afford injuries. Uh, you know, and really they need a guy like Deshaun Rucker to come in and be able to, to help them. You know, I, I think, the, you know, if you can find Christian Charles, Deshaun Rucker, some young um, you know, young kids to step in and, and give you something. They don't have to be starts, just but uh, can can you know spot duty. You know, play a couple of snaps to help guys out. I think that would go a long way. And then you know, linebacker. It's you know they're just uh, just have no experience there. And I just you know I, I I'm not gonna say there's not talent there. They just don't have any experience at all. Yeah, you know, Rob. For me, they're I, you know I think they're. With with their first five or six guys, they're probably a little better in the secondary than than I, I thought they would be based on talking to some people. But Austin's right, super thin there. Kind of where I thought they are would be in the front seven on defense. Offensively, you know, I mean, the biggest thing for me is I think they're better at running back than I assumed they would be, or a little further along at running back than I thought they would be. Particularly when you talk about losing. You know, Ty Chandler and Eric Gray, what kind of drop-off would there be there? I, I like where they're at at running back. That's probably the biggest position of surprise for me this spring in terms of not having much of a drop-off there. 
Yeah, I agree with you about running back 100%. I mean, the fact that Jabari Smalls has, you know, come on, that D Beckwith is apparently not, a, not only going to stay there and has found a home, but has, has looked really good. So I think that's been one of the more pleasant surprises of the spring. I, th- I would have liked to have heard a little bit more about the wide receiver position. I mean, it seems pretty apparent that Jimmy Callaway has had, had a nice spring and, and, and made a move, but you haven't heard much buzz about the outside of Jalen Hyatt, who's you know missed some time. You haven't heard much buzz about the other sophomores. And I thought that was, you know, something that was anticipated to some degree. And, um, you know, I, you know we only saw the one open practice and, you know, Austin has seen some open periods. I, th- I thought the fr- just the front four would be a little more, you know, have a little more pop. I mean, they brought a lot back on offense too, don't get me wrong, but I thought that just the, and, and again, that's a small sample size, but the day that we were in there, I mean, I thought the offensive line really had, had their way. With it. Yeah, it was certainly a bad day for the defensive line. They've got to, they've got to be better than they were. Uh, Malachi Weidman's name has not shown up at all this spring. And, and you know, that's a guy you wondered if uh, – would be a jump start in a new offense, but it certainly doesn't appear to be the case. So, uh, but again, I think overall, probably where everybody, where most people thought this team would be coming out of spring practice. All right, on to the next one we go. Names of class of 22 basketball recruits Tennessee's in on or might get in on with the new assistants. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got, I've got some catching up to do there. I mean, they just turned over two thirds of their assistants. I'm not outside of BJ Edwards and Brandon Miller, two insight guys who they're chasing really hard. I, I just, I couldn't throw a name out there that I think is realistic or has deep connections to Tennessee. I'm not, I'm not aware or haven't heard in, in talking with a bunch of people that either one of the new hires like has a guy that they're, you know, super deep in that, that's, you know, that Tennessee suddenly in the top three because they got hired here. Yeah. I mean, it, and what's interesting is, you know, you, you got, you're coming from Marquette and from Austin P. So they were quite frankly recruiting in terms of, the big five-star names, big names like that, those guys were probably recruiting a different type of player, a little bit different player than what, you know, the, the big names that everybody would be attracted to. I, I think it's going to be, um, you know, where does – where do they go in recruiting? And recruiting in basketball is now global. So, um, you know, is there West Coast kids? You know, is there more Midwest kids involved now? Is it more in the South, you know, with, with Ganey's ties there, you know? I would guess that Tennessee will have good, really good chances to get involved with kids at Sunrise Christian in, in, in the in the near future with uh, Coach Clark and, and his background from having worked there, and that's that's a powerhouse every year these days. Um, you know, he worked with, with a great program in, in Kansas City, Mocan Elite. But you know, it's I don't I don't think you're good. you might snag a kid or two there, you know, here and there, but it's going to be tough to you know overcome a Kansas offer if there's some kid and you know. Kansas City that, they, that they're in love with, that that sort of thing. But I do think you'll see Ganey have a presence in the Carolinas, much like Des Oliver did. And uh, Tennessee's always going to recruit Atlanta. But as far as having a, a you know ten names to throw on a big board for twenty two, I'm I'm not there yet. Part of it's the staff turnover, part of it's the, the dead period that's lasted for over a year with kids yep. you know not having the, the chance to go anywhere, and which are now their junior years. All all these guys with the new rules. A guy like Brandon Miller, top 20 recruit, he would have made some official visits as a junior. B.J. Edwards would have had the chance, even though I, I, I think Tennessee is in really, really great position there. He would have had a chance to see some places. But I think a lot of these kids, oddly, unlike football, I think the basketball kids are, are not nearly as far as – have not you know have been more affected by 
the, the ban on, on visits that the football kids have in terms of, you know, I'm not aware that, you know, it doesn't feel to me like Brad Miller is very far along in his recruitment at all. I mean, Tennessee's had some Zoom calls with him, but, you know, I, I think these kids are going to get out and, you know, go to some camps this summer, take official visits in, in the fall. And and that's kind of odd to me. I wonder if it's just because basketball is so much smaller, it, the relationships do matter more, the, you know, the personal touch. But I hadn't really thought about that until, until just now. Well, and the other thing, too, is what's the evaluation of some of these kids as coaches haven't been able to see them and, and they haven't been able to go out and play in the summertime of the year. So what does that look like this summer? Uh, you know, who pops up on the radar screen that grew four inches since somebody saw him play in a summer game last or, or whatever. You know there's going to be some of those out there as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the last time I would guess, you know, most of these these guys got seen that are coming now were early in their sophomore year or in the summer right after their freshman year. And, you know, not not many coaches are going to, you know, stake an eva- you know, what's nearly a two-year-old summer evaluation and, and take a commitment from a kid unless it's a no-brainer. Yeah, so that'll be fascinating to watch coming up June 1 when everything opens back up as well. All right, back to football we go. How do you see this offense performing with a serviceable but not great quarterback capable of beating the Kentuckys and South Carolinas of the SEC, Austin Price? I don't know I mean, what serviceable. I, so. mean, I don't know what serviceable means. To, to be honest with you, I mean that's such a such a vague term. I mean, what what are you saying? Serviceable? Sixty percent completion rate, fifty five percent completion rate, or you know what are you? No, I, I, they've got to be better than Rick Claus. No, no. I think Rick, Rick Clawson is. I think Rick Clawson is serviceable. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm with you. I'm just saying, like with with their defense, like you know. Tennessee in 05, 06, even when they weren't very good in 05, you know. You know, or 04, 05, but then when Clawson led them to the Cotton Bowl, like they had some some guys on defense, whether it be I'm Omar not, Gaither or Kevin Simon. They would win a bunch of games with Rick Clawson. I'm saying Rick Clawson is the definition of a serviceable. Player. Oh no, no, I, no, no, no. I get it. I'm just saying, like you know, you're saying they they've got to be him, better than that. So you're saying serviceable is yeah. not enough, Austin. Yeah, because the defense. Yeah, okay. I, it, it, Rick Rick had the benefit of having some real dudes on those defenses. And whether it be, you know, um, Simon or, or, or Omar Gaither or whoever, Paris Harrelson, um, you know, that played, you know, they, they played in the NFL for a while or were really good players in the SEC. About, Whereas there, I just don't there, think they don't have that now. Has there ever been a more mild-mannered guy off the field and just a complete maniac on the field than, than Paris Harrelson? He might have led the conference in late hits his junior and senior year. You know? Just the nicest kid. Yeah, he was absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think you can beat. I think you can out. I don't think South Carolina is going to score a ton. Kentucky with a new offense, I'm not sure they're going to score a ton. Vanderbilt, um, you know, I, I think you can go beat those teams with serviceable quarterbacks. I'm not sure you can beat Missouri, you know, and, and I'm not sure you can go to Pittsburgh and win, um, you know, just with a guy who's just kind of a serviceable, you know, quote, doesn't get you beat manager of the game for exactly the reason you're saying, Austin. I don't think you can have a quarterback who's going to score 24 points for you and you're going to win many games. And I think that was Rick Lawson. You know, I think that's what – when I think of a serviceable quarterback, I think that's a guy who – it's a good day if they put 21, 24 points on the board. Um, And and I don't know with this defense that that's going to be enough to beat a a bunch of teams in the SEC. Well, Um, this program needs – uh, the Dooley year three type offense, like to to just get some energy. I mean, it, it, again, 
if you're competitive like Lane was in 2009 uh, and you score some points, everybody's going to calm down a lot, in my opinion. I, I just – they're they've just been so bad on offense the last several years that you know seeing more bad offense and I know Apple's coming in as this offensive guru going to score points but again you're only as good as your quarterback and your quarterback development so you know I I, I agree Brand I think a lot of it you know their success or or just kind of engagement as a program will depend on you know what kind of quarterback play they get well and obviously you have an idea where they think they are at quarterback right now if if they're you know, going to bring Joe Milton in here uh, to, to compete in battles to, to try to win the job. He's not coming in here just to fill out the room. Uh, he's coming in here with the idea that he, he's going to beat everybody out and, and be the best option for them at quarterback, which kind of tells you where they think they are coming out of spring practice at this quarterback position. Uh, since there are talks about the recruiting trail not being that hot this year because of everything and people thinking we will not break the top 20, would you just use more of the open spots for the portal instead of getting a high school recruit uh, to possibly get uh, a guy that's already a ready-to-play guy? I'm, I'm going to give a little hot take here. With the exception of a handful of people, I think the portal is overrated. I think players in the portal is overrated. I, I agree with you because I think that, you know, the, the kids that, like – in a modern day, there would be like a Justin Fields. Those type of guys are going to go into the portal because they're at a school that has three quarterbacks and only one can play and somebody's going to leave. And so, you know, those type of players are, you know, the, the exception. The rule is going to be the kid that's three years in, hasn't touched the field, can't sniff any playing time at all. Well, guess what? There's a reason he's not been able to get on the field. And in most, in most instances, it's not because – it's a, a position that only has one person on the field. It's a position that has three, four, five players on the field, uh, and and they can't get there. So I agree with you. I think you're always still better off to go um, the high school route, unless you're just needing a you know a one off or that type of thing. Like I don't think you can go the old Mississippi State going JUCOs or Kansas State going JUCOs back back in the heyday in the '90s. I think you've got to you know, you really got to focus on the high school kids and, and not get caught up in taking too many of the portal guys. Yeah, and, and as somebody on the basketball side told me, it's, you know, fans just look at stats or, or measurables. There, there's a lot of times there's a reason kids are transferring and they're the kind of kids you don't want in your program. Yep, that's a good point too. Sometimes if you've got a kid who's been productive, why is he leaving? I mean, you you know, and can you get the real answer and can you get your research as to, as to why somebody's looking around? I, I'm not saying you don't evaluate the portal I'm not saying, you know, if Tennessee could get the linebacker from Texas, would that be a good get in the portal for this team? Absolutely, 100%. Quarterbacks, I totally get. Um, but I think some of the other stuff is uh, just a little bit overblown um, because of what you guys are saying. Either character issues could pop up with some of them, or as Austin mentioned, you know, most positions on the football field outside of the quarterback, they play a bunch of guys. And if it's a guy not getting playing time, then that's got to be a red flag if he's three, you know, two or three years in, regardless of how many stars he had coming out of high school. If he has, if he's been in a program a couple of years and he's not playing or getting any playing time of any significance, you know, how, why, why do you think he's going to come in and be a huge factor for you there? So that, I think you got to be really careful with the portal because it costs you an initial. And, and that's something you got to be mindful of as Tennessee experienced with Keller, Chris and Mondre London. 
um, particularly the London one. That was one that cost them a scholarship that, quite frankly, they, should, they needed to keep uh, for, for the next class. Um, all right, onward we go. How many offensive linemen does Tennessee take in 22? Is it a full five like in 19? Austin, I don't think they take five. Do you? Uh, I think they take at least four, and, okay. and depending on who they could get, um, potentially five, but I think at least four. Okay, at least four. But you got to go what, three tackles and a guard? In a yes. dream world? In your dream world. Yes. I'm not sure that that's realistic, but in a dream world, that's what you would like to well, do. Well, you, you need to at least take guys that can play um, can play tackle. You know, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, Cade's a guard, but Cade can play tackle. Right. You got to have a guy who's got the got enough athletic ability. Maybe he's not prototypical out there, but he could go out there and maybe play right tackle for you, um, like, like Cade can do playing the tackle positions. Um, all right. Uh, going to be going in a different direction here to baseball for a bit. I've seen bits and pieces of baseball facility improvements for us, but could you spend a couple minutes detailing what our real options are to upgrade Lindsey Nelson Stadium? What inhibits us from rebuilding on that site? What is realistic? What isn't? This program is at another level now, and it would be great to have your perspectives on realistic and comprehensive options. All right, let's let's go blank slate, writing a big open check. Yes, you could rebuild on that site. Um, to do that, I think one thing that would be of consideration would be to turn the field the other direction. Okay, and basically put your grandstand behind where the center field wall is now, because when you look in the afternoon games and as the sun is setting, that that field's not laid out like most fields are laid out. Um, and so you have sun in, in the batter's eyes um, and, and the sun is an issue. So it, it's a it's a little bit it, the direction of it is is a bit different. I know when Dave Serrano was here, you know, if he got to rebuild on that site. What he wanted to do was he wanted to build the grandstand behind the center field wall and flip the field and, and, and turn it the other way. You know, you could flatten that and spend $60 million and build a brand new facility there if you had a blank check. I think what's more realistic right now and, and what would make Tony Vitello happy um, is get enough financial commitment to build out the left field line and go down the left field line. Um, he would like a new weight room. You could do that underneath the, what would be the grandstands. And then down that left field line, you could do um, some, some club seating or premium seating, whatever you want to call it. And you could redo the facade out front, which is just cinder block basically. And then make the porch area out behind left field and, and behind the outfield wall make that a little more permanent looking as opposed to just putting up um, umbrellas for the afternoon. So, you know, I, I think those are some things you could do if you wanted to spend more like 15 to $20 million as opposed to spending $60 million. Um, so we, we will see uh, where Danny White is with facilities and, and where that possibly can go or can't go. Danny White saying on Vol Calls Monday night that he and Tony Vitello had had some really good conversations about things. I would assume that is about Vitello's future at Tennessee and some things he's looking for, which first and foremost is facility and uh, financial upgrade for his staff, something that uh, is paramount to him and is on uh, the forefront of his mind uh, when talk big picture long-term with his program um, at this point. It, it, it's almost as if you've seen the artist renderings, Brent. Well, there's about seven versions of the artist renderings because they've only done like nine feasibility studies in the last 
15 years through four different athletic directors now on, on what to do there. Um, so no, I've not seen them, but I have uh, spoken to some people <laughs> who have been a part of multiple artist renderings and people who have traveled the countryside and looked at multiple stadium options and multiple things out there. Um, but those are, you know, some of the things that have been thrown about and, and could be possibilities there. All right. Um, do you think the NCAA would consider allowing true spring games as in Tennessee versus Tennessee Tech or Clemson versus Wofford? They could tell FBS schools they can't schedule FCS schools in the fall and the ETSUs could still have a money game because you would charge at a discount for tickets. Just a thought. The answer to that is no, I don't see that happening. I see spring games going away more likely than you would ever see any kind of legitimate scrimmage between two teams. I just don't see that being the case at all. Uh, TV's different. ETSU's not going to give up a money game in the fall so they could scrimmage somebody in the spring because nobody's going to pay $500,000 for a spring scrimmage for to give ETSU that kind of money like they would get in a fall uh, matchup with Georgia or Tennessee or whoever. So I don't see that happening at all. Anybody see those games coming? Am I missing no. something there? Okay. Um, Austin, what's the latest on Jackson Long? Do you see an offer coming in the future? I think he's going to come to camp. I think it's that simple. You know, I mean, you know, good-looking kid, plays in a wing tee offense, has had no camps. So I, I think that you got the, the Florida State offer. Coastal Carolina has offered. I think Arkansas State is close to offering. Um, you know, I, but I think he's got to come to camp. I, you know, I, I, do I think Tennessee should offer? I think I think Tennessee should offer anybody that they like. And when I mean like, I don't mean love. Okay, if you if you if you think there's a chance that you may want to go on them in the future, I think you offer just to get in the game. Uh, that's uh, that's that's just my take on you know how Tennessee should you know handle recruiting um, you know with with the in-state kids. So you know if you like him, you should offer him. Well, you don't have I have to love him to offer him. Yeah, I think one thing that you have to be mindful of as, as a staff when you come in here, and I think we've seen this with some previous staffs, just because you offer an in-state kid, they're not packing their bags and crawling to Tennessee two minutes after and they're not that swooning. Offers, they're not. I mean, it, you know, you, you're going to have to recruit them. I mean, with where Tennessee's at, where kids are with Tennessee, an in-state kid is just not going to drop everything and say, wow, my in-state school's offered, I'm done. Um, I just think that's, to your point, you got to offer to be in the game, not just in the well, state of Georgia or North Carolina, but in the state of Tennessee. I mean, look at, look at what happened with Zion Loeb when, when Jeremy got here. They, they, they didn't offer – when he first got here, got to see him camp, got to see him camp, got to see him camp. He goes to Georgia and Alabama and camps first because their camps happen to happen first on the calendar. They both offer. Well, at that point, like Tennessee just has to offer to get in the game. Well, it was over at that point. It was over yeah. because you had slow played the kids. And I'm not saying Jackson Long is Zion Logue. Or anything like that. But my point is, is like, if you like them, not love them, if you just like them, you should throw out the offer. There are plenty of kids that are sitting in this state that have Tennessee offers that I think if they wanted to commit to Tennessee, I don't know if Tennessee would would take them. There, And so, like, I don't know why there's a, you know, 
I, I feel like, you know, it, it, that part of it to me is just weird. Like the, the old days of, you know, if you cut a kid like Tim Hart and, and it just cripples you in Memphis at MU, MUS, um, those days are over. I mean, Tennessee, you know, they, they cut Elijah Howard last year and the kid moved on quickly to Virginia Tech and it wasn't a big deal. Like, you know, I just this 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 whole notion that you're going to make people mad in the state just isn't the case anymore. Like, you know, especially when it comes just to an offer, you offer them, then you decide whether you like them to take them or not. Rob, basketball question. Any chance that is it Nafi Dante still entering the portal, staffing in contact with at all with Abdul Ado, big man transfer with experience? The only other take at this point besides Tamba? Uh, I mean, I guess there's a chance in Folly Dante transfers, but I haven't heard any rumblings about that. I mean, the portal stays open for a couple more months, which, by the way, is a rule that's going to be changing, uh, I think, next year. There's going to be – I think right now that thing runs – the I want to say till the end of June. Don't quote me on that because I'm, I'm pretty sure it runs until the end of June. Next year, I think they'll put in legislation where it closes on May 1st to give coaches – a little more certainty with the rosters. I mean, there's a chance he could. I haven't heard any of that talk recently. If he does, I think Tennessee would be right in the thick of it. Uh, Adu hasn't announced what he's doing, to my knowledge. I've been asking around on that. So I don't know that Tennessee's been in contact with him. I don't know if he's told Mississippi State he's coming back, if um, you know, if he's going to try to play professionally somewhere. Tennessee 100% will be involved there. If he does do something on the downside there, Des Oliver was the guy that was recruiting him the first time around. I'm not saying that's insurmountable, but it's not like Tennessee has a built-in tie there anymore. And, yeah, I have it on pretty good authority, I would say, that the big man transfer with experience is the only other take right now. All right. So well, late, latest, latest on Mac McClung. <laughs> I had no idea. Did he, get, did he land anywhere? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> any chance, Rob, that Tennessee's got any interest in – is it Daisu from Vandy? Oh, Absolutely. Tennessee and every other Division One program in the country is going to have interest. I mean, that, kid, that kid's going wherever he wants to go. He's got plenty of offers out. He's going to have plenty of opportunities out there. All right, He's time every opportunity in America. Right, time getting away from us here pretty quickly, so we'll go back to football, Austin. For you, thoughts on what happens with what happened with Evans decommit? Should we keep an eye on Aaron Willis? Never seems to be included when listing bodies coming back to the linebacker room. Uh, if Willis leaves, does that affect our relationship with their school? Seems to be talent-rich pipeline we were opening up. Bonus question, how's Dominic Bailey progressing? I, I think they were opening that pipeline because Joe Osteman had been working at that school and he had the ties to the Northeast when he left. I think, you know, that, that, all that's a bit overblown. Like, you know, I don't think Tennessee was going to just continue just to roll into St. Francis and pull kids out of there. A lot of that was, you know, the relationship that Osteman had with uh, the the coach up there, um, you know. I, I think with Katron, when when the thing kind of got weird, I mean, there was a point, Brent, and you know this, like that all those kids that got in trouble, you know, they were worried they were going to not be here. They're going to be here if they want to be here, um, you know, this summer. And it is what it is. Um, but you know, I think at that point, like Katron really kind of got skittish about it all because you know Willis is his buddy, and and you know Aaron was not feeling uh, like he was going to be back. Blah blah blah. Well, Aaron knows he you know he he can be back. I think Aaron will be back. Um, you know, I guess anything could change, but 
Um, you know, I, I think Catron really kind of waffled back and forth. The problem is when you put you when you put in a request for um, you know, to be released. released from your NLI, you have 30 days. Tennessee had 30 days to respond. Well, they went back and forth with the kid, and by the 30th day, they had to give an answer. Well, Tennessee's not going to be this big ogre and deny the kid like when they've let other kids out. So, like, you know, they, they granted it, but again, the kid was waffling back and forth this whole time. So, you know, um, it, it sure doesn't feel like he would come back here. I, I, I would not 100% close the door, but I think that more than likely he's not going to be here. Um, you know, and so I think that ultimately um, it just kind of is what it is. And, and you know, I don't, I'm not sure he and Rodney were, you know, simpatico on, on things. Um, and so uh, Dominic Bailey, uh, a guy that can help, but I still think he's probably a year or two away. All right, uh, what's changed for Harrison Bailey? Four months ago, we were stoked he was future quarterback. Now it seems like the options have changed, opinions have changed. Arm strength an issue from five-star phenom to potential transfer portal in four months seems confusing. Caden Salter pre-suspension and Joe Milton seemingly have a better path forward than our previous favorite child. I, I, Go ahead. I, I, who, who anointed him this? I mean, like, I, I, he had a couple of nice plays late in the year and Showed a little moxie. I mean, I don't think anybody was anointing him as, you know, the savior of Tennessee football. I mean, I know there were some high hopes, you know, when he first signed, but you know, um, you know, I, I think that Harrison's got some, you know, some really nice qualities to him. I think that there are other qualities to him that, that probably hurt him a little bit. Um, he's not real vocal. Uh, that was something that the last staff, um, you know, was very cognizant of. I think that's something that this new staff has learned. Is he, you know, he when he gets in the huddle and when he, you know, when he's around his teammates, he's just, I mean, that, that you know, it just kind of is what it is. It's not a knock on him, but I mean, I think out of your quarterback position, you want a guy that commands the huddle. And, you know, people are always, you know, talk, telling me just how kind of, you know, quiet he is when it's, whether it's his cadence or calls and, you know, the linemen are like, you got to speak up. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, again, I think that Tennessee's got to figure it out one way or the other. And if it's Harrison Bailey, it's Harrison Bailey. If it's not, it's not. They got to get the quarterback position fixed. Well, and I think for Harrison Bailey, Rob, for me, the biggest thing is can he vertically get the ball down the field with consistency? You know, because that's what this offense is about is a vertical passing game. Who in the, who, and then, you know, Joe Milton's got a big arm. He can throw it. I'm not saying he's the starter. I don't know. I've not seen Caden Salter. I know this, though. For this offense to be at full tilt, if you go back and look at anything Josh Heupel's been a part of, the ball's got to go vertically down the field with some accuracy. And who can be that quarter? Whoever does that with any kind of consistency, in my opinion, is going to be the quarterback of this team. Yeah, I and I don't think that guy's on the roster right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, we'll, we'll, I, I could certainly be wrong, but that's that's my opinion. Yeah. We'll see what happens over the course of the summer. We'll see who remains. We'll see who's who's added. Um, we'll see who is departing, if anybody departs, and we'll see who develops moving forward. So uh, that uh, was a storyline going into spring that we knew would not get answered. It remains a storyline coming out of spring practice, which will wrap up on Saturday with the orange and white game. That's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brett Humps. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.